when you go to Fight Club, everything in life, the volume gets turned down. Oh you know, my God, yeah. You know that line from yeah, the movie? True, yeah. The volume of, of life gets turned down. What, that's anxiety. Yeah. You know, how many people, I, again, I work in drug and rehab, drug and alcohol rehab facility. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who come in there are on like 15 different medications. For anxiety. You know, yeah. Depression. Everything. And it's not, I mean, the drugs, most addicts, I think, they're using those to cope. And, then, and also, there's all these prescription drugs, you know. Uh, society, we're, we're just medicating the yeah. crap out of everybody. Yeah. And there's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into whether that's good or bad or right or wrong, but yeah. I know that simply waking up and suffering a little bit in the morning can help turn down the volume on everything else. And so... Hey guys, welcome back to Fitness and Friends Podcast. Absolutely incredible episode today with one of the OGs in CrossFit, Tommy Hackenbrook. Tommy has been part of our community for a few months now and had been a great addition to our team here at CrossFit Mountain's Edge. If you consider yourself driven, competitive, and just always want more, this episode is going to be for you. Tommy had a fascinating career in fitness, amazing college career in football, nearly a decade on top of the CrossFit Games sport, with seven top 10 finishes individually, second fittest one year, and two-time CrossFit Games team champion with UTE. In addition to being on top of the sport, Tommy owned multiple gyms, multiple companies, and currently runs a rehab clinic here in Las Vegas. In this episode, we go over attributes of what makes a great champion, his passion in being part of amazing teams, and how a little bit of suffering can go a long way in your life. This guy has done so much. What makes him even more interesting is that he stays under the radar. Tommy is definitely one of the more humble athletes I've ever met. Aside from being dominant in his fitness career, his true passion lies helping other people. If you like this episode, make sure to give us a rating, share us with everyone you know. Doing so allows us to continue our message in making fitness a priority. And if you guys like to hear more specific topics, shoot us an email at contact at crossfitmte.com. And with that said, let's get into it, and we hope you enjoy. All right, Tommy, we're going to get right into it. So uh, the, the topic that I want to cover is... Uh, a little bit of some competition. How kind of competition kind of just runs just run your life a little bit? Fitness driven life is what you've had pretty much since you started, right? So the, t- yes. the the first question I want to run through is if you were to give me three attributes, three attributes on what makes a champion, right? Champion in their sport, what would that be for you? Um, so yeah, to be world class, be a champion, anything. I think you have to be obsessed with it. Okay. Um, I think you have to be willing to make giant sacrifices. Okay. And I, I think you also have to have a lot of patience, or maybe you don't have to start with a lot of patience, but you will learn patience. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I want to unpack. Uh, some of those so so run me through what you think obsession means like what's obsession uh i I thought a lot about this um 
you know, you kind of prepped me with this question. And, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so <clears throat> the reason I chose <clears throat> obsession, right? We, I, I think a lot of people talk about, you know, to be, to make change, to make transformational change, you, know, you have to have a strong why. Right. And that's what, um, I'm actually just started working in like a drug and alcohol rehab facility. Yeah. And I find so many parallels between that and owning a gym, you know, right. both, both environments to me, my job is to facilitate change. People come in, they may be broken, they may be, you know, kind of damaged. They want to get better and improve and so facilitate. So anyway, um, you know, I think any type of change, whether you're trying to heal from something or whether you're trying to excel at something, it's important to have that that purpose, you know, that why. Right. Uh, because that that's kind of your anchor. Yeah. Um, and so when I say obsession, that's just kind of taking it to another level. So if you want to be world class at something, uh, and this is more on the performance end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. you definitely have that why. But when you're talking world class, you're usually talking about people, at least the perception, they're already pretty successful. Right. Or, or somewhere along the way, they're going to be considered successful. It's like, oh, you know, you're top 10 in the world. Like, that's great. Pat yourself on the back. Yeah. So you already have a strong why you've already trained hard you've already put in a ton of work but to go from being really really good at something to maybe the best in the world that's where you you literally have to be obsessed because you're talking about putting so much time and energy and effort into something to get to the point of being really good and then literally having to work just as hard like double your efforts yeah, you know, to to go from let's say the 50th percentile to the 98th percentile takes so much effort. You know, x amount of effort. Now you have to do two x to get from that 98th percentile to that one percent. Wow. Because um, that's what I've seen. It's like it's easy to be good at something. I've I've made a spent my entire life being good at things. I've always, I guess, kind of perceived or had this like fetish in my head I want to be like this renaissance man like I just I pick up a a ping pong paddle I want to get as good as I can really quickly right Um, but also kind of get bored of things like I've actually really struggled in life being you know the best in the world at something I think because it's easy for me to get distracted and want to try new things I like getting really good at something and then um, and then trying something new wow Um, but the things I feel like I have achieved you know, that world-class level, uh-huh. um, that's where I learned that lesson, that it, it takes just as much effort to make that that transition to the, to the number one spot yeah. as it does to get really good at something. So, yeah, yeah you got to be obsessed to, in order to do that. Yeah. So you said the why. So you had this 10 years where you were just, you went to the CrossFit Games, you, you went seven times top 10, one team, you won it twice third place right what was your why and how was like I wonder, I wonder what your why was in that decade that you were you were competing um, it changed you know and, and I won't say I was obsessed um, I will say I was obsessed with football like I, it, it's funny I, I have I had a ton of cross of success um, but I look back and I don't <clears throat> look at that as you know the thing I was most obsessed with um, so football to me was a bigger obsession. My why with CrossFit changed a little bit. Um, I loved competing. Yeah. 
I missed it. I missed that for sports, for football. I, I walked away from football right after college, um, okay. happily, fulfilled. Um, you know, not not achieving what I had wanted to, but but knowing it was time to leave. Yeah. Um, so I really missed competition. So CrossFit provided me an outlet for that, and and I I just jumped on it. So that was my why at first. Is I just wanted to compete and uh, just get back out there and challenge myself. Yeah. Um, I did it. I just opened a gym that first year, so like I would say, my family has been kind of the anchor and okay. providing for them. I always saw the CrossFit Games as an opportunity to put food on the table. Okay. Um, even though I didn't really make any money till the very end, right? Um, I knew it would have a significant impact on my business, okay. on my on my gym business. So um, I did it why. knowing that. Yeah, that was that was a pretty strong why was just to to support the gym and my family. Um, you know, that's, and, and that's a reason I think I fell short in some ways mm-hmm. at times. Um, you know, my, my greatest success was through the team competition. Mm-hmm. I saw an opportunity there. Uh, we had some good people at our gym and I was, I mean, this, this really kind of makes sense as you look chronologically. I did <clears throat> well the first year, but it was, it was relatively new. I had a good background. I didn't really know what I was doing, but neither did anyone else. Right. So yeah. I was an early adopter. I was lucky enough to get in um, right. at a time where it's not like I had to train day and night to take second place that first year. I uh-huh. just showed up with a with a really good background of you know training through college athletics and, and some other things that set me up for success that year. Um, the sport evolved, and it became more of a professional sport. Yeah. with other men and women who were taking it seriously and training like professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I saw <clears throat> my chance to switch it up and go team because right. I, I literally wasn't obsessed. Like I yeah. I could care less about winning an individual competition at that point. It was more of a business decision, and that wasn't a very strong why. But when I could go team, uh, I love – being on teams, I love. Yeah. I love working within teams. I love leading. I love following, um, and so to me now that why kind of changed. Yeah, I was still doing CrossFit competitions more or less, you know, uh, for the family and, and for you know career opportunities, um, but I was training for my teammates. Right. What, what, what felt more like home? individual competition or team competition team 100 percent. yeah yeah i just um i just really learned in college um you know you're you're we, we always use analogies like oh you're going to war or something you know it's, it's not everything you do but um and i don't like to use those now that i'm done with that because it's, it's really unfair to people who actually yeah. do go to war but yeah. um that's really the mentality that was the mentality in our college football locker room you know, it was like, those are your brothers. You're going to bleed with them. You know, you're going to sweat with them. And um, you have to fully trust that person next to you. And it's actually, I think, really rare in, in any environment. There, there's very rare occasions where you're able to be a part of something like that, where there is that complete trust in one another. Right. Most teams that I played on, there's always a couple people who just weren't that committed. Right. Um, and it showed, you know, and, and there's there's low lack of trust, but but truly great teams, which 
I mean, I'm kind of jumping around, but like that college football team was something special. That was a part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we went undefeated. We're 12 and 0. We're the first non like major uh, conference school. We're, mm-hmm. we're in the Mountain West Conference. It wasn't a big conference. The University of Utah. Yeah. We were undefeated, and we broke into the BCS, which no no small conference team had ever done. Right. And, and basically earned the respect that we were as good as any other team in the country, um, which, again, was unheard of. We had amazing leadership with our coaching staff, and there was really something special that happened in that locker room. Right. Um, all those guys I played with, like, we still, you know, to this day, trust each other, love each other. Um, you know, wow. I still message guys. And guys that, that are, you know, it's easy to, like, yeah, I'm still in contact with, you know, my, my homeboy. He grew up in a white suburban neighborhood like I did. You know, we have yeah. all this in common. I'm still in contact with guys I had nothing in common with. Wow. You know, guy, two, two players I played with. Yeah. Within the last month, I saw them post pictures on Instagram yeah. of their sons graduating high school. Like, Wow. These guys had kids, you know, basically when they were 18. Uh, yeah. 18 to 20. So, you know, this is so much different from my background, but there, there was a bond there. And that's that's hard. That's rare for any person. But then imagine, um, you know, we got Polynesians, you know, who grew up in Tonga, in Samoa. Not just, you know, Hawaiians who grew up in Hawaii, but yeah. th- these guys grew up all, like, very little education, really smart guys. But almost no education, you know. Imagine them trying to thrive in, in college classes, right? Uh, so we, we had, you know, Polynesians. We had guys who grew up in really hard neighborhoods. Their parents sold drugs. Yeah. You know, gangbangers, literally. Um, yeah. We had white Mormon dudes who went yeah. on missions and came back and, you know, never touched a, a drop of alcohol in their life. Right. And then you know, kind of a mix. You know, I was I was just some. Know, kind of suburban white dude from Oregon, grew up Catholic, so like I didn't really feel totally, you know, not that I wasn't comfortable, but like I, I didn't have everything in common with these Mormon guys. I didn't have that much in common with, you know, some of the guys from harder neighborhoods, the Hawaiians, but there's a few other people in my same boat. And the thing about that Utah team was everyone trusts each other, respect each other. You know, we, we suffered together every day all through those summer workouts. You guys have arguments and you yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, there was issues, but they were they were dealt with. Our, our leadership, our coaching staff taught our team to deal with everything internally. It was like a family. Right. So if there were arguments, we had a leadership committee on the team. You know, um, with, with respected leaders on the team, they would they would talk to guys. You know, we'd call each other out. You know, if someone was messing up. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, there was uh, that, that was just a really special group. So in that group, I learned that you can achieve so much more when you share that goal and you share that focus, and when you're doing it for the person next to you, right? Not just for yourself. That was why I had success on the team in CrossFit. Is we built that trust with each other. It was easier because there's only six of us. But we built that trust and we put ourselves, intentionally put ourselves through in adverse situations where we had to, you know, come closer together. Um, you know, the training we did would really test us mentally and, and psychologically and, and we'd push each other through it. Um, you know, there's so many days where you didn't want to do the workout, but, you know, Mary Lampus, who was one of my teammates, yeah, yeah. she worked full-time as a pharmacist, so she, she'd get her workouts done usually at like 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. Okay. So we get that text from Mary, 
you know, just kind of posted her score for the workout. Yeah. And then it was like, damn, now we all got to do it, you know, because <laughs> Mary's showing up at 5 a.m. Like, we got no excuse. Yeah. You know, rolling in at 10 a.m., yeah. not feeling good, body hurts. Yeah. But, like, you think I'm going to take a recovery day, you know, yeah. when, when she already put in the work? Um, so, yeah, there's I, – I just love being a part of the team. Like, if you can't tell, I get it. I get all fired yeah. up about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to unpack that because I think – uh, competition gets this um, notion that it's all about like you know what at first I'm just beating people so mm-hmm. and then and then you get into this team and then you get these lessons that you've learned how did those lessons apply to your life now right here uh, yeah so I mean as far as being competitive and wanting to achieve you know whether it's in sport or whether it's in life uh it's about you know it's kind of about the process and the journey like nothing that nothing that I've ever accomplished has come easy right um I think nothing worth accomplishing comes easy yeah so if you're gonna suffer and and you're gonna you know struggle yeah it's a lot easier to do that with someone next to you Um, I found that it's a lot easier when I when you have someone somebody else to distract you to focus on. So like if you focus on the person next to you and helping them so they don't have to suffer quite as much, right? You don't hurt anymore. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I learned that lesson. Like when I'm really struggling and, and whatever, you know, body's hurting, yeah. And I'm standing there next to the other person, and I, and I can tell their bodies hurt. I start I start you know lead, telling them like, hey, lean on me. What do you need? What can I do? let's get through this together we got this wow all of a sudden my brain is focused on something new I don't I forget about my own suffering incredible Uh, yeah you know it it comes and goes but so I just learned that you know it it doesn't matter no one no one is just a lone wolf out there doing everything by themselves like uh, look at the the, you know greatest individual athletes like what do they do when they give their acceptance speech for some honor or some gold medal like they have a list of people they're thanking. Yeah. And you can hear the sincerity. Like, they, they did not Get do that them. by themselves. You know, they have so many people who were a part of their team. Um, so even in individual endeavors, you know, I, I think it really takes a solid team to, to achieve greatness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so, so I just, I always look for how I can support the team around me regardless of whatever I'm in, whether it's a sport, whether it's a work environment, how do I support the team around me? Um, where am I falling short? You know, can I ask somebody for help? Can, can, um, you know, can I do a better job? Am I, am I giving an honest effort, you know? And am I, I try to hold myself accountable to those people. So it's easier for me to uh, show up every day with energy, with passion, you know what I know that I got to be accountable to other people right you know you kind of get in a funk and mm-hmm. you just uh, you just feel like you don't have that passion right um, you know if, if when you feel like that and your focus is internal what happens like you're, you're just like yeah you know I, I really do feel down and you start thinking of reasons why and, uh, and you, you realize oh yeah it's okay to feel bad you know I've, I've been working hard you start to justify it I've been working hard for three weeks. Yeah. It's good that I, you know, kind of have a day off. Uh, but <laughs> when you have other people to be accountable to, like I don't care if you've 
but grind it for three weeks or three years, you know, your team is depending on you. Your, your spouse is depending on you. Your kids are depending on you. So um, I think it's, it's great for people to develop that mindset. You don't have to be a, an athlete to do that. You don't have to be, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Like I just, I think being accountable to people around you, having people around you that, that you trust and that trust you is, is huge if you want to um, have success. Yeah. And I see that with you, Royce. Like I've seen you pour energy into building your team here. Right. I feel like that's, you know, probably your, your core value. You right. know, your, your core values here at Mountain's Edge. Right. Uh, cooperation. Yeah. That's one of them, right? Yeah. Like yeah. what is cooperation? That's teamwork. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, courage. You encourage your, you know, your staff members to, to have courage. That means, you know, speaking up, asking for help. Right. Um, and uh, curiosity, you know, asking questions. Yeah. Who, who are you asking questions to? You don't do that by yourself, right? Yeah, I'm surprised you're, you remember all those three. Yeah, yeah. of course. So, I mean, I, I see that with you. Like, that's a core value of yours is, you know, building building that team around you, that team framework. Right. Uh, and, and I see that that magic here at, the, at this gym, you know, right. why the environment's good, why it's so positive. Right. Why are your coaches able to show up every day with energy mm-hmm. and excitement? Um, yeah. You, you've already built a lot of those frameworks. Appreciate that. To yeah. Support that. So I want to get a, a you, you discussed briefly about suffering, and then we had um, we've had a few conversations about this of how how suffering is so important and it's lacking in our system, right? Um, explain that to me. Can you unpack what suffering is to you? Yeah, um, I got it. I told you, like I, I'll give credit. Um, I've, I've learned this. I've seen it a lot. The person who communicated this most eloquently was Joe DeSana. He's the founder of Spartan Race. Yes. And he's a very um, eccentric person. You know, he's, he's one of those people that does everything just to the max. Uh, you know, really awesome. I mean, he, he created Spartan Race. He basically created obstacle course racing, made it a, a worldwide thing. Right. Uh, I see OCR is, is very similar to CrossFit, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's it's basically an outlet for people. Like it's an outlet both both CrossFit and OCR. Like, why do people really do it? You know, yeah. people don't do CrossFit to just to look good, right? Um, right. That might be some people's, but they don't stick with it for that reason because there's right. there's probably easier ways to have you know a decent physique. Mm-hmm. Um, people really do those things because they're hard. And in society, everything's gotten easier and easier and easier. That's that's human progress right there. Right. Right? Like, yes, yeah, yeah. No one's out there just wondering how they're going to eat. Like, it, I, I mean, you see homeless people, like, morbidly obese. You know, yeah. they haven't missed a meal. And, and I'm not saying that they're healthy or they, they don't need help or anything. But just, I think... As a, as a whole, humans have gotten much softer than our ancestors, our predecessors. Right. Um, so now we're having to invent ways to suffer, put struggle and put yeah. suffering in front of us. And the reason CrossFit grew, the reason Spartan Race grew, the reason these things are thriving, you know, the reason they even stuck, because why the hell, like this is kind of a crazy idea, right? Let's create a business geared toward putting people through suffering. Um, 
who does that? Like every business idea out there is like, oh, how can we make something simpler, easier, more comfortable, right? Like you have the world's most comfortable pillow. Um, you know, we, you have the better and better air conditioning units, heating units. You know, we have to control the temperature in every room in the house. It's right. not enough just to have a damn air conditioner, which those weren't even around you know, what, right. 60, 70 years ago. Like now every room has to be set to the correct temperature. Right. And then you get in your car, the left side of the car can be colder than the right side of the car. <laughs> yeah. So everything's built around comfort, yeah. yet you see these businesses coming up that are literally geared toward forcing people into uncomfortable situations. Right. And the people who take advantage of these businesses and are, are hooked and they it makes their life better in so many different ways. There's something there, right? Yeah, yeah. So Joe DeSena, you know, in his book, and, and I've learned this before, but again, he communicated really well. He's like, you need to reset your frame of mind every day. Wake up and suffer. And for him, that was hiking up in the mountains in Vermont with a log on his shoulders for like four or five hours. You know, yeah. getting up at 3 a.m. And, and by 9 a.m. he's ready to start his day. Um, that might be a little extreme for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be getting up and, and taking a cold shower. You know, put the water on cold instead of hot. Hop yeah. in there. It sucks. Yeah. You know, do yeah. that for two minutes till you stop shivering. But for the rest of the day, everything's just slightly easier. Um, you know, have you seen the movie Fight Club? Yeah. Of course yeah. you have. You know, lots of people yeah. get, get that reference. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to Fight Club, everything in life, the volume gets turned down. You know, oh my god, remember, yeah. Remember that line yeah, from the movie? True, yeah. The volume of, of life gets turned down. What that's anxiety. Yeah. You know, how many people I, again I work at drug and rehab, drug and alcohol rehab facility. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who come in there are on like fifteen different medications. For anxiety. You know, yeah. Everything. And it's not I mean, the drugs, most addicts I think, they're using those to cope. And then and also there's all these prescription drugs, you know. Uh, Society, we're we're just medicating the yeah. crap out of everybody. Yeah, and there's you know I'm I'm not gonna get into whether that's good or bad or right or wrong, but yeah. I know that simply waking up and suffering a little bit in the morning can help turn down the volume on everything else. And so, putting obstacles in front of yourself, looking at those as opportunities. You know, to to get better opportunities to kind of sharpen yourself a little bit, instead of looking at them as as oppressive things that are hurting you, look at them as opportunities to make yourself a little bit stronger. I know just doing that, just resetting your frame of mind, and it's best I think if you can find a way to do this in the morning because that sets you up for for success throughout the rest of the day. You know, I don't recommend waiting. It's fine to work out late in the day, but I don't recommend waiting. You know, having this ritual where 7 p.m. you do something that kind of makes you suffer. Yeah. Um, I think it's good to start out the day w- yeah. with something that's uncomfortable because it just it resets your frame of mind of what really sucks and and what's just kind of static. Yeah. Because when you're driving down the road and you hear you know something on the news and it triggers you so bad, you know, or someone cuts you off and it triggers you so bad that your heart rate shoots up and you feel anxious and the next two hours of your day are thrown off and your attitude changes and then all of a sudden your interactions with everybody you talk to for the next two hours wow. is more negative than it could have been, right? Like, we've, yeah, that's yeah. happened to all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why, why do we let that happen to ourselves? Right. Why would I let someone cut me off in the car? And, and trust me, 
I have road rage with the best of them. <laughs> I am just as guilty as a guy. next person. Right. But if I'm in a better frame of mind, I can just let that stuff roll. You know, I, I can see something, some bad news, and I can, I can recognize, hey, that's just that. That's really not important. It's not affecting me right now. It's not going to make my life better or worse if I focus on this. Uh, you know, maybe I can put some mental or emotional energy into this at a later time. But I'm not going to let this impact my life in a negative way. Okay. So I, I think it's hard to do that. You know, there's a reason lots of us run around with anxiety and, and with elevated heart rates. And uh, we're being constantly bombarded. I could get into social media and, you know, the detriments there, um, which I've, I've tried to kind of, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? I've tried to modify my lifestyle a little bit to kind of kind of hedge myself away from from that because I felt like that was starting to impact me so th there's lots of different things and lots of reasons why yeah. you know we're, we're feeling these things but I do I do believe that just a little bit of suffering a little bit of uncomfortable a lot of this problems yeah just make yourself uncomfortable and it's not just Joe DeSena that's preaching this man like yeah. talk to almost any successful person listen to their podcasts read their books You'll, you'll find almost everyone out there who's successful will, will share that viewpoint in some way, shape, or form that, you know, look at obstacles as opportunities. Um, okay. you know, who's a, a very well-known kind of stoic, modern-day stoic, uh, Ryan Holiday or something like that? Yes, yeah. He has a book called The Obstacle is a Way. Um, you know, he, he has an entire career just based around this one concept that we're talking about. Right. Um, you know, he has... He, goes and does public speaking and he writes books um, so yeah it's it, it can be very simple though okay. you know, I, th I think a lot of people hear this and it kind of goes on in one ear out the other like just wake up and do a workout in your in your bedroom do do 50 burpees you know give yourself a, a 30 day challenge do 50 burpees a day for 30 days right um, it can start of your morning yeah it can be right. very very simple and, and it can be very effective and powerful okay so I want to end with this. So this. what's your ritual? Do you uh, do you do anything in the morning? Oh, I do. So so one, I do my cold showers. Mm -hmm. I wait. I, I work First out. First thing in the morning. Um, you know you, you know what's funny because suffering for me sometimes is silence. Mm -hmm. So the first my first thing that I do when I wake up is I meditate. Okay. Which is tough for me because if you're in your head, and then you try to control that, it's it's uh, it's tough. So it's it's definitely uncomfortable, but now it's more exactly, comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So the second thing I do is is I is I do take a shower. I mean, I do I take that cold shower. I've been doing that for for a very long time actually, and, and it's gotten to a point that it's comfortable, right? right. It's actually comfortable. But so, stepping into it, it still shocks yeah, you. It still time, shocks right? me a little bit. Um, the workouts for sure, but in these workouts, there's like these portions where I'm, you know what? I'm gonna suffer for an extra ten seconds. I know I can do two more. So my body doesn't want to do it, but I know I can do two more reps. Um, I'll hold a plank for a little bit longer, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I'll restrain myself from eating. I'll, I'll fast. So I do these. I, I fast. I've been fasting for for almost five years now. So I don't eat. So okay. there's a little bit of that, yeah. right? Like once um, a week or just? I do it every day. Okay. Yeah. Just so, in the mornings? Yeah, in the morning. You haven't eaten yeah. for five years. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. but yeah no I, I'll eat at 12 okay right? 
And then there'll be days where it's like someone's birthday or something that'll break the fast. It's no big deal. But for me, that that restraint is uncomfortable. Yeah. So you intermittent yeah. fast almost every day until noon. Oh yeah, for sure. Nice. Right. So I want to end with this. Um, when do you know you need to retire? Um. In in, in sports, right? Yeah. Yes. Tie this into sports. I think when you when the passion's gone, kind of, like when you're no longer able to give your best effort, whether it's too many distractions, passion's gone, you could be at the top of your game. You, you, you could take first place in the world in something and just know that, that that's it. Um, you know, you could struggle and struggle and struggle and, and, and still be passionate about it and still be obsessed with it and keep going. And right. don't retire. Uh, but when mm -hmm. when the passion's gone, in my opinion, that's that's when it needs to happen. Um, okay. I don't think you should stay in any pursuit for you know strictly for financial reasons because yeah. uh, I, I just <clears throat> I've always done things that I'm more obsessed with and, and kind of love them. Yeah. And I've I've done I've stayed to you know where I wasn't passionate enough. Yeah. And it's a waste of time. And I regret that. You know, I, th I think there's one year specifically with CrossFit where that was the case. Yeah. Um, I, it was my third year uh, doing individual, mm -hmm. and I was I was really just doing it all for the business. Like, I wasn't really obsessed Join. with yeah. you know my like the individual competition. I it, it just wasn't there, mm -hmm. and I felt like it was kind of you know, taken away from, from family. And then I felt like family was taken away from competing. I was just, I was really torn internally. And that's the only year I look back and I kind of regret, um, the way I went about it. Yeah. You know, I should have just taken that year off. And I came back the next year on the team and I was fired up. It was, it was a whole new fire. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been a full retirement, but I wish I would have just taken that year off. I, I, uh, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I wasn't passionate enough about it. So um, I think anytime that's a case where you're kind of going through the motions, got to find something new. You need to step away. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, you got to be careful there because, like, it doesn't mean anytime it gets really hard and, and you're just dragging and you're like, oh, this sucks. You know, you don't want, you wake up and you just don't want to do it because that's part of being a champion as well, right? Is pushing through on those days. But um, for me, it wasn't like I wasn't dragging just because I was so beat down and, and I was, you know, I was just in the middle of that grinding, grinding training yeah. process. Um, I just wasn't that fired up in general. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's definitely time. There's plenty of days where I've not been fired up and I hurt or, you know, I'm just over it, but I show up and I work because yeah. I'm committed and because there's still that kind of obsession there, you know? Like that. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that just needs to be differentiated. Right. When you lose passion, that doesn't mean you're just having a bad day. That means yeah. like um, that means you can't figure out why you're training for that thing. Okay. That was the difference. Right. Every single day I was like, why the hell am I doing this? It's consistent. Yeah. Well Tommy, that's it, man. I appreciate it. Where where can where can my guys find you? Are you still on social media at all, or uh, are you yeah. like MIA in there? 
No, I'm still there. I'm, I'm debating whether to pull the plug or not. It's uh, you know what? That's uh, it's probably almost time to do that. It's been a goal of mine to just 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 remove. So so where can people yeah. find it? Do you have a website or anything like that? Or? Um, no. Email yeah. me. TommyHackenbrook at gmail.com. I'm still on Instagram. I respond yeah. to messages on Instagram all the time. Yeah. Um, I probably will stay on there. I just have been posting less and less. Oh, yeah. I'm the same way. Um, so yeah. it's at TommyHacks on Instagram. I left Twitter about four months ago, and I have not regretted a single second. That's awesome. Good for you. Leaving yeah. that cesspool of uh, just negativity. negativity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I limit myself. I put 15 minutes on there, so it forces me. If I did get into that pool, I get cut out quick, right? Yeah, and and there's always that justification with me of like, you know, I, I can do this for work. You know, I have somewhat of an audience, and right. so I wanted to uh, continue, like, like just to keep it. Yeah. Because hey, you know, maybe someday I want to reach out, put out a book, or maybe I want right. to uh, start writing programming, and, and there's people who'd be interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I do have something to offer. You know that right. can that can help people by by putting out positive messages online. So it's go. it's really a constant battle to figure out how to use that medium right. to communicate with people without looking at it. Yeah, because there's things I do think it's valuable for, and I do want to get out there, but um, it's scary, man. I mean, yeah. there's a the algorithm just wants you to stay on there longer and keep scrolling, right? If that means putting things in front of you that trigger you and make you upset, it's gonna do that. Exactly. Yeah. That's. I mean, this this is a rabbit hole, but like, that's what I've realized about social media is the algorithm doesn't care about what you want or what what's best for you or yeah. what you need. It cares about engaging your attention. Right. And so, if things that piss you off engage your attention then literally every time you log on to social media, it's intentionally showing you things that are going to piss you off. Right. Think about that. That's incredible. So what you need to create <laughs> is create an algorithm that that does the other way. Yeah. <laughs> I don't right? know if there's a market for that, though. Because, yeah, there you go. I was because the at the end that. of the day, your attention... I mean, this is a sad thing that we're... I think social yeah. media is teaching us about human nature. Right. Things that trigger us are better at capturing our attention than things that make our make us happy. Right. So we might right. be more inclined to gravitate toward these things. That means, to me, what that means, we have to live each day with purpose and intention. And we have to actively set ourselves on a course to do things that make us happy. It means okay. you have to think about what really makes you happy pinpoint those things and actively pursue them because if you don't if you put your mind or your body on autopilot and just float through life I think as humans we're inclined to go down the wrong path yeah I don't know why that is but yeah uh, yeah so so you know think about what makes you happy and live with intention go out make a plan make a plan every day and go out and pursue those things damn money (laughs) Tommy thank you so much man you bet Thank you. Thank you.